Good morning. Welcome today. We're going to continue studying the Bible in John chapter 6, if you want to start making your way there in the Scriptures. I want to offer a word of prayer on your behalf. Father in heaven, this is your word. It is holy. We cannot discern or understand it unless you teach us. And these people have made an effort to be here today. I pray they will not be disappointed. Please, tell us about yourself. Tell us and teach us about your word. Bring conviction to our hearts. Fill us with hope and courage. Let us know we are hearing a word from you. And may our lives be changed as a result. I pray everyone here will be in heaven, and this will be part of that process. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 6, verses 36 through 40. I'm reading in the New King James Version, and that's what will appear on the screen. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's get some context here. On Thursday evening, Jesus fed 5,000 men. The children and women were not numbered, so likely 15 to 20,000 people were fed with a few loaves and a few fish. They were so impressed, they decided to take him by force and declare him to be king. Jesus told his apostles, who were caught up in that spirit, to get into a boat and leave the area. Then he dismissed the crowd, and alone he went on a mountain to pray. Friday morning, sometime between 3 and 6 a.m., he walked to the apostles on top of the water. And it is then that Peter walked on the water. And then after that, the crowds who were with Jesus the day before find him in Capernaum. And Jesus answers questions that they have. They actually tell him that if he could show them a sign to prove he was Messiah, if they could do manna like Moses did, then they would follow him. Jesus begins a conversation with them that ends on Sabbath morning in the synagogue there at Capernaum. This, what we're studying today, scholars believe, was part of the conversation in the synagogue. How we break that down, I don't know, but that's kind of the collective opinion. So we look at verse 35. 
Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We talked about that last week. But it's after that declaration that we come to verse 36, where it says, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. The people Jesus is speaking to did not believe. Now they have seen him, they have heard him, they have watched him do miracles, they have experienced his care and his compassion, yet they do not believe. Why? Why do they not believe? Our sermon today is entitled, The Miracle of Believing. Are you aware that it requires a miracle to believe? God wants to do that for you. When we come to verse 37, we begin to understand that miracle. In verse 37, it says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Well, when you read that, maybe the answer of why people don't believe is that the Father has not given those people to Jesus. Perhaps they have not been selected to be saved. That's what it sounds like. In fact, the idea is reinforced in three other verses. We're going to look at those verses. Verse 39, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I raise him up at the last day. Verse 65, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Have you ever wondered why it is easy for some to come to faith and difficult for others? Maybe it is simply we or they are not going to believe because the Father has not given us or them to Jesus. Some are appointed for salvation. Some are appointed for damnation. That's just the way it is. That's what these verses look like they are teaching. But is that really what the verses are teaching? Let's go back to verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me will by no means be cast out. Over 60 years ago, when I was a young child, I used to hear my dad say this when he was talking about imbalanced positions that people might hold. He would say the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. But in order to make that more clear, he would say this, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. 
You do that, you kind of understand more what he is saying. The emphasis is on the wrong syllable. When we look at the emphasis of this verse, we realize it is not on how many or who are going to be saved. It is on the work of God to save people. No one can come to Christ because of the condition of the human mind and heart unless the Father draws him to Jesus. God always takes the first step. We are dead in trespasses and sin. You know the story of the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> it is God seeking Adam and Eve. They're hiding from him, and that is the natural response of the human being to God, to hide from him. People do not come to Christ because it seems to be a good idea. It is contrary to the natural man. We are content in our sins and we run and hide from God. In fact, no one seeks for God. He seeks for us. We even notice that in Revelation 3, verse 20, where it describes Jesus standing at the door and knocking. There is no picture given anywhere where the door is open and someone is screaming, God, where are you? I want you. I need you. The picture is God initiating and trying to get us to respond to his efforts to save us. But some conclude, there are those who do not come to Jesus, therefore the Father did not give them to Jesus, and they are outside of his plan of grace. That simply cannot be. That would completely eliminate the freedom of choice. What's fascinating to me is the people who hold that position also hold the, the position of an, e an eternity of suffering in hell. What kind of God would determine some for that and determine others for heaven and you either is or you ain't? That is not a picture of God in the Word. We go on. Let's look at verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. The work of God, the salvation to the one who comes. So God is offering but it says to the one who comes, there's still a choice involved. God offers. He's working on us. He's showing us how. Have you ever caught this phrase? Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say. Each and every soul, one into the kingdom of God, is considered a gift from God to Jesus. 
And that person is a prized and treasured possession, making Jesus' life fuller than it would be without that person. If you are in Christ, you are a gift to him by his Father. And Jesus loves you. Then life would not be as good for him if it weren't for you. Now, when we move into verse 38, it actually doesn't seem like it fits. It's like suddenly a new topic until we continue reading and we all of a sudden see Jesus is talking about the same thing. In verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So watch what that will is. Verse 39, <clears throat> This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. The will of God for Jesus is to lose no one. Jesus is to do the will of God, that is to lose no one. Jesus works tirelessly to fulfill God's will. He is not wanting anyone to be lost or to leave his presence. He tells that in the parable or the story of the 99 sheep who are safe in the fold. What does the shepherd do? Goes to get the one because it's the will of God that none be lost. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, <clears throat> It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He has not selected some and deselected others. Verse 40, Jesus kind of summarizes a little bit. He says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So the people hear this, and they're stunned, and they complain. Unbelief is always associated with complaining, murmuring, lack of praise to God. Let's read 41 through 43. The Jews then murmured against him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. Now we come to another one of those verses, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. The emphasis here is on divine initiative. The drawing is done by God himself. When you go to the parable of the fishermen, 
in Matthew chapter 13, you will see the word draw used there, the same Greek word. Matthew 13, verse 47, Jesus speaking, he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into the vessels and threw the bad away. So it will be in the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. When that net was cast, <clears throat> the net did not select which fish to net. All, all were in the net, and then they were sorted later. Emphasis is on all. And Jesus is talking about that when he refers to God drawing people to Jesus. John chapter 6 again. In John 6, verse 45, Jesus continues. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, <clears throat> everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone who has learned and heard, well, because some don't, does that mean God didn't speak to them? Look at Isaiah 54, verse 13. This is what Jesus just quoted. I want you to read this out loud with me. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. How many? All. Not selected ones. Not ones predetermined. But all. All will be drawn. Will all be saved. <clears throat> No. Why not? Their choice. They refuse the miracle of believing. So John 6, verse 65, the fourth of those verses. Jesus said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Well, that's a tough one. Unless God granted it, it's not going to happen. Well, <clears throat> Jesus is making it clear to the apostles. Many are about to leave. The very next verse says that. They're about to leave. Jesus is giving them forewarning. The term granted is translated in the living New Testament. Um, attracts him to me. The amplified version, enabled to do so. It doesn't mean some are granted and others are not. It is referring to God, unless he enabled people, nobody would. But God is enabling all. But understand this, apostles, not everybody's going to do this. In fact, if you continue reading, Jesus will say, there's 12 of you and one of you is a devil. You're walking with me. You're eating food with me. But you're a devil. 
not all are going to accept the miracle of believing. So the problem, they refuse the work of God upon their heart. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, <clears throat> but I, my Bible has a cyclopedic, and in that cyclopedic it lists all the miracles, Old Testament and New Testament. I didn't bother counting the Old Testament. I counted the New Testament miracles. There are over 130 miracles listed in the New Testament. I mean, amazing miracles, everything from the water being turned to wine, people being healed, people who were blind seeing, people cured of leprosy, people who were lame, people are even raised from the dead. It, it shows Jesus having authority over nature, walking on water, stilling storms, just amazing miracles. The greatest miracle written about in Scripture is what happens to a human heart that says yes to God. It is singularly the most powerful, significant miracle that takes place. They become born again. They become a child of God. They are a gift to Jesus, and He will not let them go. And they have the hope of eternal life. Let's look at John 6, verse 39. I'd like you to read this out loud with me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. The miracle of believing begins with us saying yes to God. And I'm wondering if there's anyone here today who would like to say yes to God. If you want to say yes to the Lord, He will do a great work in your heart. So if you want to say yes to the Lord, please stand and let him know that. Father in heaven, we want that miracle of believing in our hearts. We struggle, we know that. But we want to be that gift to Jesus that he refuses to let go of. And so we're standing here today saying yes to you about him. And in his name we pray. Amen.